Okay, and welcome to episode lucky number 37 of the Used Gamers. <laughs> the uh, lucky number? You know it, yeah. yeah. Um, so, hey, I'm Jared. I'm here uh, hosting with me is Mike and Chris. Hey, guys. Hello. What's up? Yeah, excellent. So we're going to do a little bit tonight. We're going to talk about a few uh, games, just do a little bit of reviews, and then we're going to talk about kind of looking back at the year um, and what we thought about some of, the, some of the games that we got a chance to play. So uh, starting out, we got, a, we got something uh, that was pretty big this year, I'm sure, for a lot of people. Uh, high on list for Chris and I, and Chris is going to talk about Metal Gear Solid 5, The Phantom Pain. That's right. Make sure you're talking about the right Metal Gear Solid that's, 5, because there's two of them. <laughs> <laughs> So, okay, if you think about this, like, if you go back to the very first episode we ever recorded, we kind of talked about our video game origin stories, and Jared and I both talked about how important Metal Gear Solid for the PS1 was as, as like, a formative experience, and, and um, I, you know, I've kept up with that series you know, ever since then in all of its myriad I- incarnations, but, you know, this is effectively, um, at least uh, for now, until we get some more stories, kind of the, the final, final chapter um, in the big Metal Gear Solid story. Um, one of the big things that happened this year was kind of the implosion of the relationship between the game's creator, uh, Hideo Kojima, um, and his studio, Kojima Productions, and Konami, their parent company, um, who Konami apparently is kind of interested in just getting out of the video game industry pretty much altogether for, like, pachinko parlors and sports clubs. They own all kinds of weird stuff, but... Um, but but you know, so, you know for anybody who's not familiar with the series i mean uh, the metal gear solid stealth action game um with one of the most insane uh, hard to read asinine like stories ever for any like game that's ever existed i mean it's you know, to, to explain the the storyline is almost impossible um but the way that uh, the series has kind of evolved is uh chronologically it's bounced around a little bit so where this game fits in the overall scope of the narrative of everything is between um Snake Eater and Peace Walker, uh, games that took place in the 1960s, 1970s, takes place between those two games and um, the original Metal Gear for the Nintendo Entertainment System, which was supposed to take place in, like, 1995 or something like that. So it's really weird. So it it kind of closes the loop on the overall story. So I think, like, you know, structure-wise, it goes, like... Uh, Metal Gear Solid 3, Peace Walker, Metal Gear Solid 5, Metal Gear, Metal Gear 2, Metal Gear Solid, Metal Gear Solid 2, and Metal Gear Solid 4. So if that makes sense to anybody, that's 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 the chronology of this ridiculous series. But um, this game is so huge that I'm going to do my best to, to like narrow it down into to basic talking <clears throat> points. Jared, you have my copy of the game right now. How much that's time right. have you spent with this? Not much, not much. I, I got into it, and I had just finished playing Inquisition, and I just needed something short. Sure. So I was taking a break from it. So I probably got about an hour into it. Yeah, so I with, mean... And at that's... that point, I had already watched a giant humpback whale made of fire... Made of fire, swallow yes. ...swallow a helicopter mm-hmm. to that's just thing give that people happens. an idea about what this game is like. Yes, wow. yeah. Okay. <laughs> that that is a thing that happens, and and shortly after you're chased by a you're chased by a flaming unicorn. I'm not making this up. These are all things that happen. Um, yeah, I mean it's uh, this this game is so ridiculous. So so the basic story behind this game is um, following up on uh, the the villain from the very original Metal Gear Big Boss, um, who becomes the star of some of the later more recent games. Um, you're basically following the rise of Big Boss into the uh, you know the villain that he would become for you know the very first Metal Gear game. Um, so it, it 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 plays around with the idea of you know he's a good guy turns bad. So it's kind of got this you know Darth Vader type thing going on. Um, and in some ways it succeeds in that. In a lot of ways it really doesn't. But um, the basic structure of the game is that it's it's the most open world of all the Metal Gear games ever. We talked about uh, Ground Zeroes on this show before, which was sort of the pre game to this and um they've really sort of uh with this game metal gear solid 5 and its two halves they've they've really streamlined the gameplay of the series a lot they've made it a lot easier to play a lot faster really slick presentation i mean really really fun game uh both of those to play but um you're basically just spending time kind of going through these story missions um 
that sort of advanced the the overall narrative of how Big Boss became who he was, um, and then a, a lot of side missions too. And, and in a lot of points in the game, you're basically left to sort of tackle things in whatever order you want to. Sometimes the narrative kind of drives things along really fast, and sometimes they don't. Sometimes you jump into a side mission, and something happens, and it throws you into a main mission. So it, it, it's really all over the place as far as how that's concerned. I mean, the the basic things you're doing in the game is uh, you know finding bases and taking out soldiers. Uh, finding items that need to be, um, you know, recon so that you can get information about the enemy. Um, the game is divided up in sort of a weird way that I don't want to say too much about for anybody who hasn't played it. Um, it, it, it does this sort of Lord of the Rings thing where you think the game's over and it's really not over. Um, uh, and then it gets really weird after that. Um, but, uh, you know, as you're playing through these games, you know, one of the coolest parts about it, and, and a lot of people who've played the game have experienced this, is is the idea that you're, throughout all these missions and psyops and things like that, you're you're building a base. You're building Mother Base, which will essentially become, eventually become Outer Heaven, which was the, the place where the bad guys were in the first Metal Gear game. And um, the way you do that is through expanding the base itself through upgrades and finding materials and crafting stuff in, out in the world, but then also recruiting soldiers, um, enemy soldiers, to become part of your team uh, called the Diamond Dogs. There's this, like, obsession with David Bowie that Hideo Kojima has, and it's, it's, it, 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 like, shows through in the game really, really, really strongly. Um, but, uh, uh, not, I mean, from the game, from the music to the... It's just, it's, it's crazy. But um, the way you're doing that is, you know, I, I tend to be uh, one of the people who likes to play through the game as sort of non-lethally as I can. They give you the option of going through Guns Blaze and taking everybody out, or you can sneak around, you can get through whole missions where nobody even sees you or knows you were there, which is really hard. Um, but if you uh, sort of knock these soldiers out non-lethally or take them out after you get information from them, you can send them back to your base uh, by Fultoning them. And Fultoning is the new thing that every video game in the world should have, where you put balloons on somebody and they get sucked up into the sky and they end up back at your base. It never ever, ever got old for me. And I played, I think my final clock for this game uh, was about 117 hours, <laughs> which is, for a Metal Gear game, just absolutely insane. I mean, for like a big Bioware RPG, that that's nothing, you know, for a game like Fallout oh, yeah. or Bethesda game. That's, I mean, that's that's reasonable if you want to put that much time into it. But the the fact that this is you know, the series that it is, and that much time... And I did not do everything you can do in the game. I think my completion percentage was somewhere around 56% at the end of all that time. So, I mean, it's just, just really, really crazy. Um, but, um, yeah, Fultoning, you get this ability to just literally attach these balloons, and they, like, suck things up into the sky. You can do it to enemy soldiers, you can do it to wildlife, you can build a zoo on your mother base, which is, like, one of the coolest things ever. But I think the the narrative purpose behind that is, like, some some environmental NGO knows you're operating in, like, Africa and Afghanistan, and they say, hey, wait, there's a lot of, like, endangered species there, can you kind of rescue them while you're out there and not let them ki- get killed during war. So well, there's kind of a sort of a narrative reason for it, but it's, you know, otherwise it's just going to like hunt for birds that <laughs> weird species that I actually know about. It's like, oh, that's really strange. Um, but um, you can do it with equipment too. You can do it with uh, gun emplacements. You can do it with um, supply crates. You know, as you upgrade your equipment, um, you can just basically steal anything from anyone uh, to the point that there's a final upgrade that I, I played so long and had so much money and was able to upgrade so many things that instead of uh, using a balloon to fault in things, I was able to upgrade to a wormhole. So that's really you know, realistic. Where it's just a, a, there's a tear in the sky and things get sucked into it and go back to your base. Just absolute insanity. Um, I mentioned upgrading. Upgrading is a really important part of this game. Um, you know, you, you get a variety of equipment that you find from other soldiers on the battlefield, which is like every other Metal Gear game, but then you're able to, to sort of uh, craft and create a bunch of weapons as well. Uh, not only create stuff because you've reached a certain level of XP and a certain amount of money, but also uh, taking existing weapons and unlocking the ability to mod those and you know, put different scopes on them. And I mean, it, this game like quadruples down on you know depth and on the ability to to customize you know your appearance i think it, you know there's this moment in the game where i kind of had to step back for a second and said okay i'm running around in like hot pink armor i have a gold helicopter that just picked me up that was playing um 
Aha's take on me really loud, which apparently intimidates enemy soldiers for some reason, because that makes sense. Um, it, it's it's maybe the weirdest game I've ever played. And there were several times throughout the, the amount of time that I spent with it where I remember thinking, like, is this the best video game that has ever been created? Because there were there were moments like that where I would just be like, I don't know if I've ever had this much fun before because it's just absolutely ridiculous. It's taking a series that I've liked for a really long time and taking it in a really, really weird direction. Um, that just absolutely works. I mean, it, is it a perfect game? No, not by any means. Um, as post-release patches came out, they started adding some pretty weird um, microtransaction-y type stuff because, I mean, it's a game in 2015. you got to have microtransactions, right, uh, for anything. But basically, in order to continue to build your army and continue to expand your bases, your base can only get so big. So you have to open up these forward operating bases, these additional bases that are in different oceans of the world. Um, and you, in order to build those additional bases, you have to use these, I think they're called like MP coins, which are things you kind of earn through playing through the game, but then... You know, to open your second base, it just requires so many crazy coins. You'll never be able to get it. But hey, if you spend $20, we'll give you more than enough. So it's just really gross stuff like that. So I didn't um, I didn't spend any time with that. I sort of upgraded as far as I could within the constraints of not having to spend additional money on it. Um, the bases become important not only because they help you to expand your army, which allows you to uh, send your soldiers out on sort of virtual missions as you're playing real missions, so you'll kind of just, there's a lot of menu-based stuff in this. It's like a crazy RPG um, where you'll say, oh, okay, there's, I can go protect this diplomat in this part of Africa. I need 10 of my best soldiers. Um, if I dispatch them, it'll take 38 minutes of real time, and then I'll get whatever out of it, or they'll fail and they'll die. So, so you're kind of going through and, you know, assigning, so it, micromanagement becomes like a huge thing in this game. Like, you could spend hours without actually playing, like, a stealth mission with the main character of the game, just kind of digging through menus, diving into customization and things like that. It's it's mind-numbing. I mean, it really, really is. Um, you know, one of the things the series has also kind of played with over the couple, last couple of years has been um, multiplayer stuff. Jared, did you ever play any of the multiplayer for, uh, like, I think Metal Gear Online with Metal Gear 4 or even with Metal Gear Solid 3? There was some online stuff. Did you ever mess with any of that stuff? No, no, I had no interest. To be honest, the the gameplay of that game never felt like it would lend well to multiplayer to me, so I never touched it. Yeah, I, I felt that exactly the same way. I mean, not only did, was there the problem of, I think, to play the Metal Gear Solid 3 stuff, you had to have a hard drive for your PS2, which I didn't have. I don't think a lot of people had. But, um, but the, yeah, it just, it, you know, this is not the kind of game that... It, it's like when they added multiplayer to Bioshock 2. You're just like, why? What, what the point of that? <laughs> I don't want to... This is a world where I'm this one guy i don't want to go play multiplayer um but in addition to that there is a um a new kind of multiplayer um because it, the same way that all games have to have microtransactions all games nowadays also have to somehow be influenced by dark souls so there's a dark souls component to metal gear solid 5 where um where other players can invade your game at any point which is super stressful <laughs> because uh basically what happens is you'll get a notification when you're just playing through the game doing a mission or doing a side up that you this little notification comes up. It's like, um, you're being invaded right now and you have the choice of either kind of letting it play out because you build up defenses. You have, you know, soldiers that are guarding your base and somebody is actually going through and sneaking through, trying to take your soldiers out, try to jack your stuff. Um, or you can leave what you're doing and go right in there and go, uh, 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 no, they are not taking my stuff. And then you can go in and play this sort of cat and mouse game where two live players are both playing stealth against each other. I, I think it's kind of like the best of what Splinter Cell sort of did in some of their multiplayer stuff. Um, but again, it's so far removed from like the meat of the gameplay of that game. Like I just really didn't have interest in it. So I did exactly as much as I needed to do to sort of, you know, what they force you to do to kind of advance the story and then just kind of never went back to it. Um, you know, th this is a game that it, it's just, it was so much fun. Like I was anticipating it like 
none other. Like, I was so worried that it was just going to keep getting delayed forever. Um, I mentioned the weirdness with the publisher earlier. I mean, really early in the year, there was a story that came out that said that Konami was basically going to erase all references to the game's creator and his studio from the advertisements and from the box art of the game, which seems really weird that you would do that. That would be like Call of Duty saying, like, um, we're not going to say that Treyarch or Infinity Ward made this game. There's going to be no references to them at all. Um, so that seemed a little fishy. And then stories started coming out about these sort of like slave-like conditions that Konami workers worked in and strained relationships between Kojima. And and uh, effectively, what it seems to have happened is, you know, that relationship went south real bad. All the details aren't out yet, but he has since been let go from the company. I think just within the last week or two, announced that he's forming a, an independent studio, and his first creation is going to be a PlayStation exclusive. So Sony's kind of helping him get back on his feet, and it's just a really weird, unfortunate thing. You know, Mike and I were chatting about seeing the Game Awards a couple weeks ago, and I think that game won, you know, what a best action game or something like that, and. And he wasn't the game's creator wasn't able to go because Konami's lawyers basically banned him from being there talking about this game that he made. So it's it's just absolutely weird. the 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 best sort of middle finger for that though is that I don't know if you advanced far enough in this to see this, Jared, but you know, anytime you beat one of the main missions of the game, and there's fifty some odd ones. Um, it basically kind of plays out sort of like a television show. So after every main mission, there are credits. And um, so it's really weird because after every single mission, and some missions aren't super long, it, it like goes into this like dramatic music and it says like written by Hideo Kojima, directed by Kojima, Hideo Kojima, scenario by Hideo Kojima. And then it's like this big like Kojima Productions, like this big logo on the screen after every single mention, <laughs> after every yeah, single mission. To, like, it in. Yeah, there was, like, no way to scrub that out of the game. So, like, that just made me laugh every single time I saw it because there was just, there's no way to get his DNA out of that game. You know, he doesn't own that license. Konami still owns it, and they've said that they're hiring for uh, additional teams to build new Metal Gear games, and I don't, yeah, it just, exactly. I feel the same way, and I think a lot of the people who worked with him on those games have since quit Konami and gone to work for him now, so... You know, who knows? Maybe he'll be able to pick up some other weird property he worked on, like Zone of the Enders or something like that, or just do something completely new. But, yeah, I mean, it's you know, what's cool about this is that, you know, if you just accept that the story is absolute nonsense, and, you know, a lot of what happens in the game is very, very closely tied into what happens in the other games, but if you don't care about that, this is, like, a tremendously entertaining game. Like, I, I think anyone would just have a blast with it. I mean, it's a huge game. I'm, I'm really happy that that it turned out as well as it did. I mean, it, it, there are some moments that you kind of feel like, oh, this seems like this was not as fleshed out as it should have been. And I, I think, honestly, they just ran out of time and they ran out of money, which most accounts seem to be that that was the reason that they eventually let him go, was his games were so huge and so high budget that I think to afford to continue to indulge him to do whatever he wants is a you know pretty difficult thing. So, you know... The, Big big game studios aren't doing so hot the last couple of years. We've we've talked about that a lot on this show, so um so in that in that sense it makes sense. But I'm I'm excited to see what what happens next. So so I'm I'm really excited for Jared to keep playing. Um, our friend Amy is probably about sixty or seventy hours into it. So I think next year at some point when Jared gets through that, it, it'll be worth us revisiting, having just a full Metal Gear spoiler episode because there's a lot to talk about. But but for now, I, I, I just it's a big smile on my face, as many thumbs up as I can give it. Just absolutely fantastic game. Well, that's awesome. Highly anticipated, and I, I am looking uh, very much forward to playing it myself as well. And we'll see. Yeah, we'll see what goes on with Kojima. You know, I mean, separating him from the series does make it seem like the series should be over. Yeah. Because I think he is that series. But, you know, we'll see. We'll see what goes on. Uh, so moving from that to perhaps the only game that potentially could be more of a time suck <laughs> than that that came out this year... <laughs> Um, Mike got to play Fallout 4. Imagine that. Mike so, plays the Time Suck game. Uh, oh, crazy. So, Mike, why don't you tell us um, about it, uh, probably the other most anticipated game of this year, I would guess. Yeah, it was definitely a really big one, and uh, wow, it, it was it did not disappoint. This was uh, a really, really great game. Um, so, 
as always, you know, your character is uh, a survivor from a vault. Uh, the one special thing about this one is actually the beginning of the game takes place before the bombs drop. Um, so your character is actually there. And uh, also in this game, you get to choose between male and female characters. Uh, there's a lot more uh, customization in the way that your character looks. So that's kind of how the game starts out. Um, so you are either the husband or the wife, uh, and you have your spouse, and then you have uh, your infant child. And, uh, you know, the vault tech people visit you and say that because of your service in the armed forces, uh, you get to be in a vault. So then when the bombs start to drop, you know, you take off, you run, and you get into the vault. And you come to find out the vault is actually the reason why your character is still alive, you know, 200 years later when the game actually takes place is because the vault actually freezes people. It's a cryogenic testing facility. Like all the vaults, they all are running different tests. So these guys are testing out cryogenics. Um, so you get frozen, and basically the the story comes down to it's a revenge slash rescue uh, mission that you're on. Uh, so you know you eventually get thawed out, and you go out into the wasteland and start, you know, doing stuff. And there's so much stuff to do. And one of the coolest things about Fallout 4 is, and a lot I've noticed a lot of the open world games have gotten a lot better about this. Like The Witcher has gotten a lot better and stuff, where the side stuff is just as, if not more, enticing than the main story. Like, you really kind of get lost into it, and you actually want to go out and do all that stuff because it's really entertaining. Uh, So you run into, of course, all the crazy characters that you could possibly meet in a Fallout. You do get companions in this one. Uh, Dog meat is, of course, one of them, as always. Um, Yeah, which is really cool. (laughs) And you can actually put armor on him. Unfortunately, it doesn't really do anything, but he looks really cool. Um, The rest of your companions, you can actually suit up... uh, and they are all kind of do different things. And they actually have a, uh, you know, your companions can kind of grow to li- They can like or dislike certain things that you do. Um, if they dislike enough stuff, they can actually leave or even turn on you, uh, especially depending on certain choices you make. And then, of course, also if you get them to like you enough, it'll actually grant you bonus perks and stuff. Um, so <clears throat> that is all really cool. But while you're wandering the wasteland, you come into contact with four different factions. Much like in New Vegas, there are these main factions that kind of are in play. And, you know, you can kind of start to, just like you can earn reputation, or get your uh, companions to like you more, you can kind of earn reputation with these factions and actually uh, join them. Uh, So the four factions are uh, the Brotherhood of Steel, which anybody who's played any of the Fallout games is very familiar with them. Uh, Then there's the uh, Minutemen, which is kind of like this group that's being formed to defend everybody from all of the evil things that are happening out there. There's the Institute, which is this secret organization that seems to think like they're the future for mankind. And then there's the under or the Railroad, which uh, they're kind of an interesting group, uh, of which I'll have to get into theirs, because they kind of contradict with the, uh, the Institute. But basically all the groups are kind of fighting with each other. And as you go along the story, eventually you do reach a point where you kind of have to pick a group to side with. And once you side with one, kind of all the others get eliminated, like alienated from you. So <clears throat> it, it, other than like with Fallout Vegas, where there were just certain groups that eliminated each other when you side with the one, in this one it's you kind of have to choose one. Um, but And it's kind of really great how they made it, every group was kind of sat in the gray. There are going to be times where you think, like, oh, this group is obviously the good guys, and this group is obviously the bad guys. But then you'll kind of get to know those groups, and you'll realize that they all kind of fit into the middle. Like, they all kind of have think that they're what they're doing is right and what is best. Um, and they did that really, really well. So, uh, you know, I thought that was really cool how they were able to do that with all these guys. Um, so, of course, you're wandering around, you're doing quests, and uh, you also, they added a whole new crafting mechanic into this one which you know in all bethesda games nowadays uh you uh, basically pick up junk everywhere you go and uh typically you couldn't really do anything with it besides maybe selling it for a couple of pieces of currency or maybe creating your own little uh episode of hoarders at your hideout or whatever Uh, but in this one, you actually get to use it for stuff um, because there's a huge crafting mechanic. Of course, there's weapon and there's armor crafting. Um, so you can upgrade your armor, you can upgrade your weapons, and every little piece of junk that you have, you drop it into this place called a workstation that is at your kind of base or settlement. Uh, and it basically scraps it down into all the little pieces, components that make it up, and then you use those components in, in your crafting. 
Um, it also goes really well with the um, the power armor. You know, power armor makes an appearance in Fallout 4 as well. The difference is, is in, while in other games you really had to work hard to get power armor, it was kind of like an end of the game thing. It was like the supreme armor you could get. You actually get power armor right at the beginning of this game. However, the thing is, is that power armor has to be repaired. It has to be upgraded pretty regularly, and it also needs to be fueled. They run on these things called fusion cores, which you have to go out and find, or some you can purchase. Um, but as you, if you run out of fuel in a power armor, it basically becomes this gigantic paperweight that you can't move. So you have to go find a fusion core and then go back to the power armor. So while it, it you know, it, you have to kind of design a character that is, is based around using mm -hmm. it or use it wisely. Um, but then on top of that, the biggest crafting thing is the, the creation of settlements. So you can create these bases all around the wasteland. You can just do one that's just your home base. You can do tons of them all across the area, or you can not do it at all. It's totally up to you, which is nice, because a lot of people were like, oh, I don't know about the whole base building thing, but it is 100% optional. There is one mission that asks you to do it, but you could technically just skip that mission. Um, the, the, it, but it's actually really fun, because it's really easy. It just inside the area, all you have to do is bring up the settlement kind of HUD, and you can just start scrapping stuff. Simple. They made cra like the settlement part very, very simplistic. Uh, and then you have a menu where you pick out what you want, whether it be buildings or power supplies or water, you know, purifiers or whatever. And you can build those depending on what type of materials you have. The one big problem that comes with it, though, is that it's all done still in first person. Um, so sometimes it can be a little bit hard to get stuff right where you want it. I mean, it's easy to pick it up and move it around all you want, but it can be a little tricky. I really kind of wish that for the settlement part, you could get kind of an overhead view, almost like a, you know, a sim kind of thing. Like an isometric thing. Yeah. And, and then that way you could kind of move around the settlement. You could put like putting walls up around your settlement is the biggest pain in the butt getting them to line up properly where there's not a gap or a, a raider could easily just walk through because your settlements can't actually get attacked you do have to keep up with your settlements and your settlements will grow with settlers if you attract them um with uh, it's it very much like the settlement part is very much like the fallout shelter game you know you can attract settlers with radio beacons and when you do uh you have to have the right kind of stuff to provide for them whether it be beds food water energy you know whatever and also defense um because you will get attacked by super mutants raiders you know rad scorpions whatever uh so it, it is definitely something to kind of to keep up with but the game is is really really fun really enjoyable it's filled with all of the great characters you'd expect out of a fallout game uh the crafting system actually is actually a huge plus. Uh, I really enjoy doing it. It's nice to kind of modify your stuff because even though there's tons of options, it's still very simplistic. You know, it's really easy to kind of mod stuff. Uh, it comes down to even where, uh, like, laser guns and plasma guns, like, they can be pistols or rifles depending on what kind of stock you add to them. I mean, that's just kind of the simplicity of it is you can create kind of whatever gun you want. And then they also have the cool, interesting guns, like they have the fat boys, you know, that shoot mini nukes. They have this one gun called the Junker, where all that junk that you're picking up, you can use for crafting. You can also stick it into the Junker for ammo. So you can shoot toilet stuff what? and teddy bears and all different kinds of things at, at Raiders, which is always really fun. Um, and they also introduced legendary creatures, which is kind of cool. And this is affected by the difficulty. The higher the difficulty, the more chance you have of finding legendary creatures. And when they're, they're a little extra tougher. But when you kill them, they drop legendary items that have special little perks on them. Say, like, you get an extra um, bit of action points. You get uh, uh, a boost to your poison resistance, you know, whatever. And speaking of action points, I will say, you know, Vats is still in this game. However, they improved on the shooting mechanic in this a ton. While in other Fallout games, I felt like I always had to use Vats because otherwise you were just horrible. Like, in this one, I feel you could actually run and gun. Like it was, a, it was a lot smoother. It was a lot well, better. Well, it was a lot more well done. Um, it was just kind of a nice change, and I found myself using vats less and less because I almost felt like it slowed me down. So, well, and I think in this game, it, if I read it right, that vats doesn't pause action anymore, right? It just slows it down. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they continue to stuff will continue to move. It's just at a very, very slow pace. Like it's, it's very slow mo. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and there's also that as well. Yeah, it's not the benefit of just being able to stop and kind of think about what you're doing. You kind of still have to move. But you still get you still get it slows it down a pretty good amount where you can still kind of take stock of what's around you. So and then the level up system they did. It's really interesting because it's this big, huge, long 
uh, row of all the perks. And you can kind of see them all, and you can see exactly what you need to get each one. So rather than kind of waiting to see what pops up when you level up, like in past games, you can look and see, okay, if I want the the perk that increases my ability to carry more stuff. This is, I need to be, I need to have like sixth strength, and I need to have this much uh, of, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, or I need to be this level. So that was really great, and you can also, you can, whenever you level up, you can put those points into anything. If you want to put them into one of your special stats, you can. If you want to put them into uh, one of the perks, you can. It, it's totally up to you, and you can kind of create whatever kind of character you want. So uh, and there's there's huge perks to each level, so you can, you can really really customize to whatever your playstyle is. So really really great game. If you're into Fallout at all, I'd highly suggest it. If you're not into Fallout at all, you'd probably still love it. So definitely go out and try Fallout. Where does I'll, it um where does it fit in your opinion in the three New Vegas four like where wh- how would you rank those against each other? Um well uh, New Vegas I never really got to finish because uh, it wouldn't stop crashing so <laughs> I still <laughs> what have not a finished. Bethesda game was crashing yeah I know but this was like bad this would be like I could play for an hour and then it would crash to where like my whole system had to be restarted Ugh. so if that happens every hour eventually you're kind of like and eh, I'm done. Uh, so I really liked New Vegas. I thought it was great. Um, Fallout 3, of course, was amazing. I would definitely say Fallout 4, though, was my favorite because it's a lot more advanced. You know, Like I said, the shooting mechanic is better. The graphics are better. The story is really good. Um, you know, th- In this one, actually, the main character is voiced, which I feel adds a lot more to the character, allows you to relate with them kind of more. It makes more of a, 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 a cinematic kind of story. The problem, the voice acting is pretty good. However, the at least I've only played the male side. Uh, the male character is has a a very similar tone, no matter what you say. So if you're trying to be a very kind of aggressive, hard kind of person, I've heard that it doesn't really sound right. <laughs> um, so it's weird. And then there's other times it's kind of hard to tell sometimes because it's basically got four choices, and it's similar to kind of like a Bioware game where it kind of paraphrases what you're going to say. And it's not always doesn't always give you the exact way that he's going to say it, so it can get a little confusing in that. Uh, but okay. um, yeah, I, I had read that there was a somebody who put together a PC mod that actually shows you exactly what the character yes, is going to say. Yeah. So I can see how that would be useful. No, yeah, I, I heard about that one as well. So I was like, oh, that could be handy. So I mean, yeah, all that stuff was still good though. Um, uh, you know, the game is, is just all the crafting is actually I really enjoyed, and all of the side stuff like. Even after I finish the main mission, typically with these big, huge games like this, I try not to finish the main mission because I tend to get kind of bored with the game because I don't really feel like I have a goal after I finish the main mission. So doing all the side stuff just doesn't really tend to keep me interested. But with Fallout, I was. In fact, I mean, I had to force myself to play the main mission because I would get so distracted by all the side stuff. I'd be like, ooh, you know, what's up with this mystery mission over here? I have to go check this out. Or this guy wants to look for aliens. Oh, that sounds interesting. Like, and that was the thing. I, it was, it, I could not get myself to go do the main mission. So, uh, you know, I, to me, I feel like that means that they did a very successful job of making all the side stuff interesting. Nice. And here's the big scary question. What was your total game time? Oh, uh, you know me. I don't want to know. I spend way too much time on these games. I don't want to know how much. I don't want to justify my thoughts of that I spend too much time. <laughs> so I just, I like to claim ignorance. Uh, well, that's, that's, that's really cool. You know, the the improvement to the, the shooting mechanics in particular, that's very attractive to me because that was always a, a kind of a beef I had is, I didn't like that I felt like I needed to use vats, you know, like that just felt a little slow to me. So mm-hmm. that's really cool. Yeah, and I've only heard people say good things about Fallout 4. Like it's uh, seems like it's been pretty amazing. So <clears throat> Okay, uh, and then shifting gears a little bit from two of the biggest titles of this year to a big title of God two to three years ago. I don't know. <laughs> but I played it, so I want to talk about it. I played Call of Duty Ghosts. Now I'm going to say already right away, Probably no one was playing multiplayer at the time. I wouldn't have tried out the multiplayer anyway. But I did play the single-player campaign. And I'm sure we've expressed on this show before that, you know, with these kinds of games, if they have a robust single-player, we tend to really like them. And that is how I felt about Ghosts. Um, It had a... uh, I want to say short, but long for one of these kind of game single-player mode. It probably was about six hours, maybe something like that. Which is pretty decent. Uh, for a Call of Duty game, and it was really great. You know, of course the shooting mechanics are fantastic. You know, they've gotten those mastered a long time ago, and those stayed really strong. But um, 
I was really impressed in terms of the storytelling and and the gameplay within that. Like it had a very uh, compelling story with the villain that you you hated a whole lot and you really wanted to go get him, and it had a nice storyline and and it was well voice acted and um, <clears throat> I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it quite a bit. Uh, I find myself looking forward to actually the the playing the next one too. Uh, because it does leave you on a bit of a cliffhanger at the end, and they set it up for the story that's for you to kind of keep going. And this really fun Easter egg way, by the way, I know a lot of people don't watch credits, but actually this showed up after the credits. They did an Easter huh. egg that actually, it seemed like the story was over, and then it was not. They gave you this kind of continuation to let you know that the next game was going to be a part of this storyline. Um, so I just wanted to mention it really quick to let people know that, you know, for, for those of you who are like us, who really enjoy shooters but aren't necessarily as into the competitive multiplayer, um, this is one to check out um, to go play because I did think that the, the single player was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. Was there anything that stood out to you as... Because now I'm envisioning, like, oh, I hadn't thought about the possibility of, like, a Ghost 2. But um, was there anything about this game that you think distinguished it from the, the other series, Black Ops, Modern Warfare, you know, Advanced Warfare, any of that sort um, of stuff? Honestly, that I would put it with Black Ops. So if for anyone who played that, it, it was the same thing. It had this really fun, robust single player. And that's what sets it apart to me, was the length and the quality of the campaign. You know, I mean, in terms of gameplay, like, it's oh, okay. basically the same, you know. Isn't there a dog? Uh, yeah, the dog was neat. Yeah, I guess that was neat. <laughs> I so, just remember them, like, that whatever E3 they unveiled this, they were really excited to talk yeah, about this dog. Yeah, you didn't dog. do a ton with the dog, but you did have some parts, um, brief parts where you would play as the dog, um, which was kind of fun, you know, like, just, like, because he was, like, a, a ninja assassin, you know, like, you could just waltz through and just, you know, he'd annihilate people and you could send him along to do some scouting and stuff sometimes for you and you know they had good set pieces with stuff like that he could set up set pieces for you because he's off somewhere else and you could see things that aren't where you're at and they had the big moments you're expecting you know you're in the helicopter like you know you're this small army you know you're the team of ghosts there's like four or five of you and you're defeating whole armies you know so you get that badass feeling and stuff like that you know they've done that before but they did it really well again and and for an ex- yeah. for a period of time that I felt like good about, especially since the game was old, so it was super cheap. Now you know, like um, so I just thought it was a lot of fun, and I am looking forward to the next one. That's awesome. Yeah, I think I've I've slowly over the last year or two been collecting up every every you know post World at War Modern Warfare game of theirs because you can get them for like five or six bucks and I'd run through a couple of them and I haven't been let down yet. I mean, it's, they're good at what they do. And, and like you said, you could, it's, it's a legitimate move to, you know, it's interesting this year with black ops three, you know, this'll be probably, well, I don't know. I was going to say, this'll be the last time it releases on the old consoles, but maybe not. But the version that came out for 360 and PS3 didn't even have the single player on it and only cost $10 less than the new gen version. So on the one hand, it's like they understand, no, what people buy this for is the multiplayer. On the other hand, I don't know if that's their way of saying, like, a eh, single player is probably worth about 10 bucks. But <laughs> that's that would be I'm, – I'm glad that they made that very blatant on the packaging because I, for one, would be super disappointed if I got it home and realized that it was just multiplayer. <laughs> like – I know, I know we're we're not the typical people for that, but yeah, I, I agree. They're they're fun games. Yeah, and it's interesting because they just they do it so well that you think they would but uh, I'm I'm sure they do market research and whatever to tell them how much time they should spend on single player, but they're they're they are really, really good at it. So uh so that was something I had fun with, so I want to talk about yeah. it. So okay, so we're gonna wrap up here, um talking about kind of our last thing, which is looking back on the year a little bit and, and some games and uh kind of uh we thought about them. So uh the first thing we'll do, we'll go around and we'll just go we'll just go Mike Crispy and we'll just do round table and a few of these. But we're gonna talk about if anyone had uh, s- some surprises for the year. Um things that they they weren't necessarily expecting to be to be what they were. So how about you, Mike? Uh, well, for surprise, um, my big one would probably have to be uh, Rocket League. Uh, <laughs> you stole my answer. That's, <laughs> that's a lot of people's. That's probably a lot of people's surprise. Yeah, no, I mean, I, you know, I remember seeing it when it came up on uh, PSN Plus. I hadn't heard about it before then, and uh, a lot of my friends that are on there were all like, "Oh, you have to get Rocket League. You have to get Rocket League." And I looked at it. I was like, eh, "I mean, it looks like just some silly little arcade game." So, you know, I went ahead and downloaded it because I saw all of them playing it, and I figured, hey, it's free. What's the what, what could it hurt? And, oh, my gosh, like, it is the most addictive little perfect arcade game, you know? And it's, even when you buy it, it's only 20 bucks. 
And, you know, it just shows you how amazing it is that even with the most simplistic kind of thing, you can create this really fun game. So, uh, yeah, Rocket League, I would have to say, biggest surprise. And, you know, just how great they are about DLC, it's like a couple of dollars, you know, it's, and they release it all the time, you know, new cars, new courses, and stuff like that. So, uh, definitely Rocket League, surprise. Chris, did you have anything that surprised you besides Rocket League? I'm sure I mean, but if, I, if I really think about it, I think the biggest <laughs> surprise I had this year was I was actually able to beat Super Meat Boy, because that <laughs> seems like the kind of game I would never actually be able to finish. But, um... Yeah, I played through that whole stupid thing on my Vita, which is crazy, but man, what a punishing experience. No, I mean, I, I had made some notes for myself, and I had written Rocket League down to, um, just because it's, it, it is, like Mike said, I mean, it's like, it, it's car soccer, like, it's, okay, like, that's so weird, but, um, I mean, whatever, you know, that, that sort of business model of them, you know, going for, a, you know, quote-unquote free release, that you know, followed up by um, a, a relatively inexpensive console and and PC release, um, seems to have worked well for them. I mean, it, you know, at least for us, the game didn't cost anything over and above our subscription to PS Plus. I just read an article, I think it was two weeks ago, um, that the studios made about fifty million off this game. That's amazing. That's so great uh, oh, yeah. for something that you know a large number of people playing it didn't haven't spent any money for it. But, you know, whatever those deals are that, you know, Sony or, or uh, Microsoft buys in for games with gold or for PS Plus games, I mean, that's profitable enough that, you know, it's not unusual when, when those those monthly downloads come through that it's a game that we haven't seen yet that you get to see for the first time. And usually it's something that's kind of throwaway. And I know when I first downloaded it, I was kind of like, I don't know what this is. But, I just, you know, and then for whatever reason decided to open it one day and was like, Hey, Mike, did, did you touch this? And he's like, yeah, did you? Did, this is pretty crazy. Like, uh, So, definitely. What about you, Jared? Yeah. Um, you know, there's a, a couple for me. I, I think one thing that was a pleasant surprise, because we talked about this a lot, and I was so worried, was, um, you know, the Taken King kind of made Destiny. It kind of fulfilled its destiny, you know. Ha-ha. <laughs> 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 I'm so witty. Um, it it kind of made that the game that kind of, I think, it, it, you know, it, it it had the potential to be. So that was really great. But what surprised me the most was a game I didn't even play. Um, but but what happened behind it, which was Super Mario Maker. Or Mario Maker. Not Super. Oh, yeah. Mario Maker. That game is a phenomenon. Like, it is all over the place. And I've enjoyed it in the side of it, even just going on YouTube, actually, and just watching some videos of some of these levels and stuff just to see it and actually like see some people who make the games and you know it's like five hardest five greatest levels ever and you know or like five most best themed levels because they have all this this game is like a phenomenon and i thought it was really cool and you know because when i saw it i was like oh that's neat okay yeah i can make some mario levels i like mario whatever but like this is a thing and it was really cool so that was my big surprise for the year that's my big one so um yeah there's one of one of the more entertaining things for the year that i've been kind of following on and off again is um there's a a couple of games journalists a guy named dan reichert from giant bomb and patrick klepik who i think works for kotaku um are basically in this like battle to the death with Mario Maker levels and the idea is that like um they you know one would have a certain amount of time to make a level and then the other one would have a certain amount of time to beat it um and then whoever kind of came out on the end you know they were pledging money getting people to raise money for it and then whoever won at the end they would you know give that money to that charity and um it's just the level of insanity and brutality that people are able to craft it's like if you ever play the real super mario 2 that came out in japan that they didn't release here because it was too hard like that felt hard but then you watch some of those playthroughs and it just it makes your brain break like how how could this be possible and and just the fact that they've got this really simple like i love that the, their solution for how to how to post a level is just that make any level you want but you have to be able to beat it and if you can beat it then you yeah, can that post was brilliant it. so it's it, it, it you know, you see yeah. these things, you're like, impossible. No, it's not impossible. Like, it can be done. So, right. It's nuts. Yeah, that, that, was, that, was, that was an absolutely brilliant move because yeah, then no one could post anything that couldn't right. be done, which I thought was great. Yeah, yeah. So that was a cool surprise for me. I thought that was a lot of fun. <laughs> um, so moving on to uh, games we missed. If anybody has a big game um, that they didn't get to play. Go ahead, Mike. Um, for me, I've been pretty lucky in that, number one, I was able to, through lots of different deals and things, I was able to play all the big games I wanted to, um, so I guess the only game that I kind of missed, which, I mean, I'll probably still get to, to play it, it's just, I have so much else right now, I haven't really bothered to get it, was, uh, Assassin's Creed Syndicate, um, just, uh, I know, Chris, you said you got to try it out and thought it was really good, everybody has been raving about it, that it's, uh, you know, a lot of people, including myself, were a little disappointed when Unity came out. So they 
what I've heard is that this is an improvement off of that. Like this is kind of more of what people wanted out of Unity. So uh, that's probably the only one I think that I missed that I would really like to get a chance to get a hold of. Yeah, you know, I, I kind of went through this list of all the games that came out this year and, and broke down once, you know, other than stuff that I'm barred from because of lack of console ownership, like Mario Maker, Splatoon, um, Rise of the Tomb Raider for right now. Um, yeah, I mean, I think just about everything else that I came up with that I was interested in, uh, like Mike said, I've, I've either gotten to at least touch a little bit, like Syndicate, or um, or it's stuff that I was able to, to pick up over the course of the year for extremely cheap. Um, the stuff I wrote down was Witcher 3. Um, I got this insane deal on Arkham Knight, where I got the game and the season pass for $16. Wow. Um, <laughs> Dying Light, Tales of the Borderlands, you know, Dark Souls 2, Until Dawn, Witcher. Like, I, so I'm... I've told you guys this before. My kind of uh, secret that I I'm, I'm want to see if I can hold myself to is if I can get away with actually not buying any games next year, um, except for possibly Mass Effect if it comes out. But it's not going to come out. Um, oh yeah, no. <laughs> because there, there's just so much that yet. I still have yeah. to spend time with. You know, I have an unopened copy of the Legendary Edition of Skyrim. Oh, you know, God, stuff like that's that. Be like, a time suck. <laughs> what? It's like, I know. So, Between so that like, and the Witcher, that could I take your whole year. Take up most of your year, right yeah. there. Yeah, and it, but and these and are, you got these are Dragon great. Age Inquisition. So between those three, you, you should be set. <laughs> I know, I know. It's a, I just just started on that yesterday. So yeah, I mean, it's it's a lot of good games that I'm looking forward to playing. Yeah, for the one you, I missed, you know, it's in my hands, so I'm not going to miss it for long. But it's Metal Gear Solid Five that you loaned me, you know, and 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 again, I want to get to that game so bad, but yeah. I had just finished Inquisition, and I don't remember the game you had played. You were playing some super long game at the time too, and we both finished those games, and we were like, oh, I just need something that's not this long right now you know and uh so that's why i I didn't quite get to it yet honestly i'm super excited to play it this game is like i I, as much as you know we've really expressed a lot that like we don't think that open world makes games better like you know necessarily across the board like i think this this game in particular in the series was ready for that hugely and in what i played already i think they're done they're going to they have done a really good job of, of integrating that. So without a doubt, that's the game I missed that I want to play the most is uh, Metal Gear Solid Five. So, um, yeah, and I will probably really, really soon, which is great for me. Um, okay, so then we're going to talk about our <laughs> you disappointments. Go. You know, we had some games, I'm sure, that let us down a little bit. So go ahead, Mike. Uh, well, I mean, I'm sure you guys know uh, what was my biggest disappointment. There were actually quite a few disappointments, I feel, this year. Um, but probably the the biggest one for me was Battlefront. Because, you know, for when we did our podcast this year in review, or the, the upcoming year podcast that we did last year, um, I said that my most anticipated game was going to be Battlefront. And, uh, yeah. Um it was it was kind of a big of a letdown, you know. We, uh, I tried out the beta, and that was really all I needed. Uh, you know, a lot of people will sit there and say, "Oh, you know, there's barely anything in the beta," and that's true. But all of the reviews I've heard on the game pretty much agree with me that it's a great game that did a great job of capturing the feel of Star Wars, um, which makes me excited for other stuff EA is going to make. You know, like you know, they obviously can get the feel of Star Wars. Now all they got to do is make a game that is actually good, because um, it just it couldn't keep my attention. Like, I had fun with it for about half hour or so, and then I was like, okay, um, is this it? Like, I'm, I'm kind of bored now. So I would definitely have to say Biggest Letdown was Battlefront because I, I really, really, I'm a huge fan of that franchise and was really looking forward to something a little bit more than what it produced. Yep. Chris? Um. <laughs> well, Mike said his most anticipated game was Battlefront. I said my most anticipated game was The Order 1886. <laughs> um, <laughs> wow, we just we kind of really screwed that up, didn't we? Yeah, and mine so didn't very, come out Very this year. few times in our history have we devoted an entire episode to one game, and usually it's because it's something we really love, like Bioshock Infinite or <laughs> The Last of Us. Like, this was a different thing. Yeah, we, I mean, you we know... We did a whole episode because we hated it. <laughs> well, yeah. we didn't hate it. We just... We were disappointed. Yeah, yeah, and you know, that's the. Yeah, I have to keep in mind, like, okay, between the two of us, we probably invested about $6 into playing this game because we both got it from Redbox, so that's yeah. good. Um, do I still think it's worth playing? Yes, for people who haven't played it, I mean, it is still 
technologically one of the most impressive things that I've ever seen on a console. Just playing it on Redbox. Um, yeah, it, it's it's fun for what it is. Um, you know, I, it it feels weird for me to complain about a game being too short because I tend to like shorter gaming experiences, but. Five or six hours of that, you know, but also to feel like it was too short, but I really didn't want it any more of it. <laughs> like, that's pretty telling, too. So, yeah, I don't, I mean, you know, take that team, take that tech, just go do something completely different with it. I'd like to see that world revisited, but not that's exactly what I was like say, that. You so. could do a sequel and just make it better because it was a really cool story in a really yeah. cool world. It just wasn't hashed out enough. Right. Good graphics, and good voice acting, great sound. There. Good level design. So yeah, it's like on paper, this game is great, but yeah, things just don't didn't come together. And and I will you know I will also mirror what you said about Battlefront. You know I was able to play the the main game for a little while enough to get my hands in basically all of the different modes, and it's much much better than what I experienced in the beta. But again, you know I I wouldn't pay what it's what it costs now. And by the time the price went down to where I would think it was reasonable, people probably aren't going to be playing it anymore. And since it's not really single player, then what's the point? So yeah, yeah kind of frustrating. Yeah, I think uh, that was a lot of people's disappointment and it was mine too. Honestly, it was battlefront. Sadly, we're getting broken record here, but you know what I think I'd like to see because they did do a lot of things very strongly. And, um, uh, you know, I think if we could see them tackle with this level of quality, perhaps a single player game that I would be ecstatic about that. You know, because they did hit really nicely on the sound and the way it looked well, and, like, the feel. And, like, so many things about Battlefront were just right and then just the gameplay wasn't. Um, so I think maybe if they if they take what they have, similar to what you're talking about with the last game, you know, and just kind of move forward into a different direction. I think there's a lot there to be excited about, but Battlefront just let me down. So, um, <clears throat> Well, they did put out something that said that there was a hinting that they could be uh, continuing to make the Star Wars 1313 game that, that everybody man. thought got canceled. Uh, so there's been some hints through people in like EA that or Dice that they might actually finish that. But who knows? That that could just be, you know, a bunch of wishful thinking. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. see. So, um, all right. So moving on though to to the big, the big shebang, the whole thing. Um, we're gonna go game of the year, uh, best game that you guys played. So Mike, no drum roll needed. What's your game of the year? And remember, we, we have to have two people agree and one pe- per- person disagree. That might happen this year, what I know what mine is. So we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Uh, I don't know. We'll see. Um, so mine, it's actually a little tough because um, it, it's kind of like I'm torn in one way. I have the big, like, huge release game that was really good. And then I have the small little indie game that just kind of blew me away that I feel deserves credit for that. So I, I think in that essence, I'm going to have to put Rocket League is my game of the year. Whoa. Even though I love Fallout and I thought it was amazing and I think it deserves a game of the year, you know, award. I feel like I should give credit where credit is due. You know, the the guys who did Rocket League took this tiny little simple game and made this phenomenon and are, you know, have they didn't try to oversell it. They didn't try to like blow it up bigger than it was. They were like, "Look, here's our game. Try it out if you like it great, you know, here you go." And and it was. It was a really great game. It's really fun. Uh, it's highly addictive, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Rocket League. I'll nice. give it to the little guys. All right, you just blew Chris's mind. Yeah, I <laughs> think I exploded the speaker in my headphones. <laughs> All right, so moving on from that surprise, what do you think, Chris? <laughs> wow, cool. I did not expect that. I'm I'm impressed. That was, but I mean, it's mm-hmm. well deserved. Well deserved. Such a such a fun little game. Um, I also feel like I had a very difficult decision. Where this is concerned, um, because yeah, you know, I just got done saying, and I totally believe it that um, you know, Metal Gear Solid Five: The Phantom Pain might might be pretty much the the best video game I've ever played ever. Um, and I just you know, I ran into somebody else recently who was also playing it, and they, independent of me saying that, said that like I, this might be the most fun I've ever had in with a game ever. And I was like, yeah, I, I kind of felt that too. Um, but, you know, this was a year for big games and big, great games, and it, it can be tempting to, you know, forget about things that sort of came up earlier. So, um, and I thought a lot about this, and I, I would say uh, with absolutely no hesitation that um, my game of the year is Bloodborne for this year. Um, I went back and listened to the episode where I reviewed that game and listened to how excited I was <laughs> to talk about that game. Um you know, I, I have this weird fascination with the From Software games, and, you know, at this point now, I've, I've beaten half of them. Um, but uh, 
just everything about the way that that game was was paced, the increase of speed over the Souls games, um, the atmosphere, the weird, creepy setting, the sort of strange there but not there story, and then um, and I have to say I haven't gotten to talk about it on the show yet the unbelievable um, DLC, the Old Hunters that came out, which I'm still making my way through. It's so so good. I mean, it's basically of what I've played so far, it's the best content in the game. Um, you know, imagine all the stuff that we've talked about before. Jared, I know has played through the game since we talked about it. Um, I think also really enjoyed it. And, um, you know, this DLC is punishingly hard, really brutal. I'm going through it much more slowly than I did in the base game, having to co-op through way more of it than I ever did before. Um, I'm playing through it in new game plus, so that makes it more difficult. But it's also telling that you know I, I'm that I am playing it through New Game Plus. I'm playing through it again, and I, and I can't remember the last time that I've played through a, a game again in that short a period of time. I mean, for as much as I get excited about uh, games like you know Bioshock, and like I've never played any of those games more than once, um, because I guess because it's such a you know perfect little experience but you know when this was the game was over i immediately just started playing it again because there's such a satisfying feedback loop of you getting better and the game being completely based on your own skill and your own familiarity with the systems so being able to go back to earlier areas that were just you know that i used to beat my head against and then just go through and just wreck it is so satisfying like to to feel like you're making progress that um yeah, with without a doubt, Bloodborne is my game of the year. Fantastic, sure. I'm sure high on a lot of people's lists uh, who are into the From Software games, especially. And uh, <clears throat> for me, uh, I think maybe it'll surprise you guys. I, I almost feel like I surprised myself with my game of the year this year. But the streak's alive, Chris. Bloodborne <laughs> is my game of the year, like Woo! without a doubt, like hands. <laughs> Down. Given I didn't get to play Metal Gear Solid Five, and 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 I look forward to that a lot. And right. uh, but like this game, I became obsessed with this game. Like I was I was I was thinking about this game when I wasn't playing it, and we talked about that before. Like it was on my mind, you know. And one of the other things too, it's funny because this makes me think a lot about when I talked about originally playing Destiny. Was there was this kind of side stuff for me where um, there were some absolutely phenomenal lore videos on youtube that uh that a few people have made that they go really deep into some of the speculations about what the story is going on here and i really enjoy looking into those because those aren't really spoilers they're just information about stuff and so i waited for until i was into the game a little bit and then i kind of came across one and um because uh, I think I was looking up stuff on weapons trying to figure out what weapon I wanted because I didn't want to spend a lot of time on something I didn't want. And right. um, uh, watching these videos like got me so deep into this game and the time that I was playing it. And um, you know I found, too, that the, the challenge felt felt amazingly good, but it, it, it's, it still felt, fell into that realm that they're so good at with From Software of you can always do it. You know, this is always doable. You might need to change what you're doing, but this is doable, you know. And uh, I just, you know, visually the game was absolutely gorgeous. You know, even some of the stuff they did with, like, language was really fun. Like, this city is called Yarnum, and then um, Yarnum is, like, some reference to, like, hell and Islam, as I understand. And then, you know, one of the big uh, demons you fight is called Amygdala, which is spelled Amygdala, which is a part of your brain that does house your fear centers and things like that. So, like, they did, like, a lot of these really fun, subtle things. Language, like, this, it was just layered. Everything through this game is layered so well. And then to have the gameplay then be so tight and so phenomenal um, and and creative with the new kind of counter system with the guns, like, I loved it. I loved it so much. This game was amazing. I, and, 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 you know, it's funny to, you know, Chris and I kept trying to encourage Mike to play it, and we're still going to. And I understand his hesitancy because there's something about these games that's very intimidating. And, um, and just knowing how hard they are and, and knowing how punishing they are. You know, the way we talk about it, we say it's fun, and it doesn't sound like we're talking about it being fun. It's weird. Um, but it, it is. It's so satisfying to win those fights too you know there were so many boss fights that when i got done i didn't realize till it was over that i was standing 
like up standing up like yeah, like my body too. crunched like oh my god i oh you know and it's when you're so close because you could die at any moment so it doesn't matter how close you are it's not like you're like oh good i'm towards the end i'm gonna win no 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 you know you might be they might be down to 15 percent health and they go oh guess what i'm gonna get to my real boss form now and they destroy you that happens multiple times probably yeah so you know this uh it just blew me away i love that game so much i love it so much well, yeah, and we're. I mean, keep your eye out, and I'm sure in the next couple months there'll be really good deals on, you know, get one of those copies of the complete collection that comes with the game and the DLC for. I mean, it's oh, it's so good, so good. I can't wait for you to play it. Yeah, and, yeah, I'll be looking forward to that and getting my hands on that DLC as well. And I'm very looking forward to Dark Souls Three because it seems like they're blending this, uh, the Dark Souls series very much with Bloodborne. You know, it looks like it's going to be more. Yeah, like and then Dark the, Souls, but the a lot director faster. Miyazaki has um, said that, and, and after that game, that's it. Souls is done, and he's moving on to a sci-fi game, which makes me even more excited. <laughs> I know what's it going to be? Oh, it's be so good. So, um, so awesome. So a lot of a lot of great stuff this year. I you know. I think for all of us, as we look back, we were all very pleased with games. Um, very pleased, looking forward as well. So, um, a lot of cool stuff. So wrapping up here um, for the use gamers. I'm Jared. I'm Mike. I'm Chris. And I uh, hope you guys enjoyed. We'll see you next episode. Bye, guys. Bye. Rocket League. Yeah. Yeah, man. I thought you were going. I thought you were going Fallout easy. I wanted to, but I was like, you know, I'm just going to give it to the little guy this year. I mean, like my decision on game of the year is really going to affect anything. Like, what does it matter if I pick Fallout or Rocket League? So just go with Rocket League. I mean, a part of me even wanted, I, I mean, because a part of me even want. I, I don't know, because I'm not really even through Witcher yet, so I don't know. I don't know whether or not that one's going to I mean, you can't Fallout. have it's, sex it's on a unicorn in Fallout, I'm just saying. So, you know, that factor true. that in. It is true. But, you know. <laughs> yet. <laughs> Probably on the PC version you can.